Lincoln racing. It's time to recap it. And who better to do it than Michael New Magic? Two bros slash pros who cover the highs and lows of racing around the globe on every one of their shows. Real fans look forward to these guys in their last thoughts because they know they're not talking out of their royal ascot. What they say makes sense. So ladies and gents, sit back and relax as Blinkers Off presents The Magic Mike Show, where you hear the experts speak The Magic Mike Show, tune into the show every week The Magic Mike Show, you can trust the show is the bomb Because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com What's up everybody, I'm Magic And I'm Mike This is the Magic Mike Show, episode 358, Mr. Summit Huzzah! Happy Monday to you. It's uh, it's very bright and sunny. It's about 75 degrees out in Los Angeles. I'm loving it. How are you doing? Today? I'm doing wonderful, man. I'm, I'm doing great. It was a frustrating weekend of racing. I'm not going to lie. We had, I was happy about the classic Causeway uh, race, but but outside of that, a lot of frustration. But we got some big news coming, which I'm, I'm excited to talk a little about Secret Oath and everything else that's going on in the Derby Trail. And of course, we had Derby Pool number four that ended this weekend as well, which I'm, I'm excited to talk about. We've been doing those videos. It's been a blast to put those up on the YouTube channel uh, and kind of going over all the different options that you can have in these different places and where you can bet. So looking forward to talking about that as well. How about you, man? How's, uh, how was the weekend? It was good. It was good. Thanks. Uh, it was, um, it was interesting that Tampa, all the rain we were expecting, we were just praying that leave the stakes on the turf. They stayed on the turf and Gulfstream, which was supposed to get almost nothing, uh, got completely destroyed. So a little backwards there. Uh, but I at least felt validated because we had some fans that were saying, why are you doing Tampa? It's supposed to rain. There's no chance they'll stay on the turf. That's the <laughs> problem with absolute statements like that, Mike, because they absolutely will bite you in the ass. Oh, I've learned funny. that plenty of times. It was funny, man, because I was going, I, I, I tweeted something about, okay, we're fast and firm at Tampa. Let's see how long this lasts. Hopefully nine and 10 are on the turf. And Jason Beam replied, has it rained here yet? Like, we're still looking good. And it's like, and it's Florida. At any point, it can stop. Like, it will stop or start raining. And that's exactly what we got. I, somehow the rain, like there's a monsoon right near the track that doesn't hit Tampa Bay, luckily. And uh, the alligator was out chilling by the pool there. And it was pouring over at Gulfstream. So just uh, kind of crazy how that Florida weather works. But what can you do? Yeah, it's going to be fun. Listen, this is going to be an interactive show. Uh, thank you so much, everybody, for uh, – I'll go screw yourself, Aaron uh, – for, for joining us here. Uh, we're going to be talking Kentucky Derby uh, updates. There was a lot of stuff that happened, and Nick already talking about some uh, Oaks Derby future daily doubles. So we're going to well, – that's an interesting one, too. Uh, we're going to talk about that, Mike. But uh, listen, there's no sense of screwing around. You ready to get into it, buddy? Let's do it, baby. Riders up. Gonzalez over there, that was great. Uh, I got my man. I'm a, I'm agile for 39. Only oh, you're 39. I did not guess that. No, yeah, you're definitely looking good to agile for 39. One Kentucky <laughs> Derby prep race over the weekend. That was the 2022 Tampa Bay Derby. Why did I say the year? I don't know because it's in the title. Uh, classic Causeway wins. He goes gate to wire. Kind of a similar look to the Sam F. Davis stakes. Actually, gets a slower buyer for it. But uh, Mike, I guess first question: Did we even learn anything from this race? Uh, yeah, we learned that everyone behind Classic Causeway isn't anyone you really want. Uh, the, the race itself is absolutely wild. I mean, this is this has created one of the more interesting Twitter conversations I've seen in a while when it actually has information involved. Um, <laughs> because the buyer comes back 84. The time form comes back 117. So 33 difference there. That's wild. That's, that's very high for the two to be that different. Usually it's between 10 and 20, somewhere in that range. Uh, immediately, you got Craig who makes the time form numbers coming out saying the Tampa Bay time was wrong. So... Me like okay, let's time this thing right. 
I go to the stopwatch. The actual time is slower than what the track speed says because the run-up was so long that you had about a second and a half added to the end time. But that means depending on where you start and stop your watch, it changes it. Anyway, Timeform is saying the race was faster than it actually was run based on the buyer numbers. So the buyer numbers come back low because of the time of the race, whereas the Timeform numbers come back higher because they're actually accurate at timing a race. Um, So it's one of those interesting situations where – you're going to see on paper this this lower buyer, and you actually just saw the withers. I think it was that got adjusted this last weekend as well. A huge uh, adjustment, a seventy-eight to an eighty-seven. This wasn't like a couple of points here. No, it was it was a massive jump forward, and again, it was a timing issue. And, and like, it's wild to me that we can't time a race at literally any major racetrack at this point. But that's clearly something we're struggling with here when we're coming up with these numbers. But yeah, uh, it, this is one of those interesting situations where. You, you really got to watch it and make your own decision on how good or bad do you think this race was because of how this timing and the timing issues have come back. Um, for me, I mean, this is, we talk about it a lot. Look at the chart, see where horses ran. If anyone ran against the, the kind of the commonality of it. And there were two that stuck out to me. I mean, you had essentially the top five horses, four of the five finished one through four or in the top five. The only one who were early was in the top five who didn't was your favorite giant game who absolutely quit out the back. So he, very bad for the giant game fan crowd there. Uh, very good for the Golden Glider fan crowd. The only horse that was making up ground in the stretch around the turn was the six horse Golden Glider. So to me, the two standouts here, obviously, way to bar, or I'm sorry, classic Causeway looked good, able to go gate to wire, caught an absolute flyer out of the gate. Um, so I think that makes it interesting. We've seen him with the ability to stock, but more or less gone wire to wire the last two preps at Tampa. Uh, outside of him, I mean, to me, Golden Glider is the only other horse I have really any interest here uh, coming out of this race. And even then, that's kind of tepid interest, right? It's it's interest when we're going to an ungraded stakes, or maybe it's the the Matt Win or the Indiana Derby, something like that. Correct. Yeah, uh, we're gonna make a lot of money. We're not knocking that. But as far as the Kentucky Derby goes, I'm with you. Uh, Classic Causeway. Yeah, we talked about it in the replay and the reaction. Which, if you guys uh, haven't been watching here, didn't know what we've been doing lately is we've actually been doing these fun reaction videos. So we're watching the video live, just as you see it here. And uh, the, we, you get to see how we're reacting to it and what things we're looking for when we watch. This isn't even the best one, though. Go watch the Azari Stakes when CC yeah. almost lost it. Uh, <laughs> that's not that's not play acting. We genuinely had that reaction. Like like we all thought CC was going to air, and when she backed up, all hell broke loose on the feed. It was pretty awesome. So uh, make sure you guys go check that out too. They're a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a blast recording those. Those those have been a lot of fun to do, and it's a good way to to kind of go back and watch the replays too, um, because the, obviously these this is the time where you got to be watching replays, especially these prep races. When you're trying to de- decipher who the uh, the best horses are, so we're having those up, you know, literally half hour after each of the races. So it's an easy way to go check those out. And what we do once it's done is we break through and t- you know break down what happened in the race and you know, what the winner did great. We talk about the trips. So there is all of our analysis is right there with the nice racing dudes. Uh, fun flair. Uh, Classic Causeway, it was announced shortly after. Brian Lynch, pretty much after we got done recording and we were pondering, does he go to the Bluegrass or not? Brian Lynch said, yes, we're going to the Bluegrass Stakes, which this year is finally a grade one race again. All it took was Essential Quality winning it last year to finally – good magic winning it? No, still a grade two. Uh, <laughs> the, the Essential Quality got it done. Um, but right now, the Bluegrass contenders that we know about are two, Ethereal Road for Dwayne Lucas, and we'll you know get into why he's there instead of Oakland in a little bit. But also Zandon for Chad Brown, who was third in the Risen Star Stakes. He was a horse that uh, won on debut going one turn, got immediately thrown into the Remsen Stakes going two turns, and then you know he's, he's faced exclusively good company, but – Kind of a tough ask for him uh, from the Bluegrass Classic Causeway Zandon Ethereal Road, kind of up in the air right now. 
Yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting. Ethereal Road and, and, and Zandon are not necessarily on the pace horses. They're both going to come from kind of middle pack. So it really sets up well still for Classic Causeway. To me, it's all about how much, what, what type of speed signs on here. And I'm hoping we get at least two of the early pace horses so we can see Classic Causeway with some pace pressure. I mean, we've got early voting. We've got Forbidden Kingdom. I'm guessing we will not see either of them. One of them, uh, I, I'm, early voting, I'm assuming, is going to stay up in New York. Forbidden Kingdom obviously will stay out in California for the San Diego Derby. So it'd be interesting to see if we get anyone else who wants to kind of inject that early pace pressure um, in in the uh, in, in the bluegrass or not. That that's going to be the key for Classic Causeway to me. If he's low in speed again, especially to, you know, I think that's a mile and a sixteenth race where you've got that short stretch at Keeneland. Like it plays really well to speed. Oh no, bluegrass is mile and an eighth. It they'll, is mile go, and eighth. they'll go full mile and eighth. Yeah, but you're right. At mile and sixteenth, it's like a Gulfstream, and I always forget that with Keeneland. Uh, Classic Causeway is actually in the Kentucky Jockey Club, which aside from the horse that won that race, Smile Happy, um, everyone seems to be winning. And we'll get more into Smile Happy in a minute. There's something wacky still happening there. Uh, but Nick says, fun story. This is true. Last horse to win the Tampa Bay Derby and the Kentucky Derby is Street Sense. And the first horse race I ever went to was the 2000 Bluegrass when Street Sense was upset. Favorite horse here for him, a Classic Causeway. Uh, and I also saw that Nick was talking about he's got a $10 Oaks Derby future daily double or between the two uh, with Kathleen O, a horse that you really love a lot, Mike, and then Classic Causeway paying about 160 to one. Uh, pretty good odds there for those two horses. That doesn't suck. I, no. I mean, like, especially with Secret Oath going away from uh, from the Oaks. I mean, that's, I, I would say, a good thing. I mean, because you're taking out one of the, the perennial favorites there. Kathleen O also looked, by the way, exceptional down at Gulfstream. And we talked about her. I think I did the preview for that race, actually. And I used yep. the horse that, that we, we picked and we did a live stream for it. Like she looked, she looked good. She didn't get the best trip ever. I mean, she actually did have a little bit of trouble in there and really professional horse. She should be good stretching out. So I'm, I'm interested to see what she can do. And that, that division, the Oaks division is a bunch of fun, man, even without secret oath in there. I mean, there's still quite a few horses that can make some noise. We're going to talk about those horses here in uh, just a second here, but I wanted to get through. Uh, Mark, listen, I, I got so much uh, hate from the giant game <laughs> fan that are out there that after he uh, threw up that first stinker in the Holy Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, I was celebrating White Apario winning. Uh, listen, the horse, I, I don't get against the horse, but Jesus Christ, get him away from Dale Romans. And uh, yeah, Mark says, put him in a Fairmount Park. Now there's one other than uh, for 10K. <laughs> That's uh, just. Just rough, rough. I mean, do you really one. want to bet him at one to nine in that race, though? <laughs> like, that no, that's. I want him to go there, and you can literally just bet the field, and, and you know, it'd be a five horse field. Just take all the show money away because there's going to be bridge jumpers there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the uh, listen, uh, as we talked about, uh, Dwayne Lucas confirming secret oath to the Arkansas Derby uh, of Philly that has just looked absolutely monstrous at Oakland Park so far this year. And Dwayne said, you know, if this was a colt, it would be a no brainer. We're going straight to the Arkansas Derby. So, Mike, do you agree? Is this a no brainer, secret oath? to the Arkansas Derby um I mean I don't think it's a no-brainer because he said afterward they weren't going to do it so clearly he had to like he had to finesse someone's brain into this idea but yeah this is the obvious answer like I, I we were both surprised when he didn't say immediately afterward we're going Arkansas Derby it's ethereal road that was the reason I mean he had this other horse that was now a derby contender because of how well it ran um in the rebel and so now it's like okay well where are we gonna what are we gonna do with these two horses and I, I think he made the right choice here you said ethereal road to the bluegrass um ethereal may already be in anyway i mean that's the thing like based on the way the points are shaking out this year he might already be in the gate and now you have secret oath running a track that you know she likes and let's see how good she is and let's be honest it's not that much in that arkansas derby like who are we really worried about here that's that to me is is the big thing i'd be surprised if she's not the favorite right now if someone does, like oh, yeah. if someone ships in she is the favorite i would be surprised if she's not the favorite i don't think anyone that's going to, is going to ship in that's, that's more hype than her at this point 
it will be interesting to see who does ship in because Nick says uh, it is a grade one. Not only that, this is the richest grade one prep that they have. Uh, the richest prep. It's a one and a quarter million dollars uh, for the Arkansas Derby because the Rebels a million. So they had to go, well, we can't just do another million. So a uh, million and a quarter for the Arkansas Derby. They, it, I mean, it's going to be wide open aside from Secret Oath at this point because who the hell? I mean, do you want Unoho? No. He was 75 to one last time. You're getting five to one next up. No, I don't want that. So um, be pretty bad. And, and Mark said that earlier, speaking of shitty one to nine horses, command performance. Yeah. If you want to <laughs> see another great reaction video, we reacted to that. Uh, and you can watch Jared, just his heart and his 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 soul just leave his body as that horse yeah. was losing in the stretch. <laughs> uh, I mean, Todd Pletcher did not have a good Saturday. We'll just put it that way. That's back to back Saturdays. Now we thought yeah. he was going to have a huge fountain of youth. And now at Tampa, he threw up a couple of major, I mean, major general, not to no pun intended, major general general completely terrible um in, in as well uh let me see if i can find the news do you have any final thoughts on on secret oath before we move on i mean i i, I nick mentioned who was going to ship in i don't know I, is it is it doppelganger is that the biggest ship like because you're going to have a baffert it's not going to be new grange right right it could be messier but i don't know uh, he'll stay home for the sandia derby i think i think one. you ship doppelganger right yeah and so who else is coming? I mean, like, Brown's not sending anyone. Pletcher's not sending anyone. Maybe Pletcher sends command performance. Like, who are we really that worried about that's going to ship in for this race? That, that to me, is the other part of it. Maybe some people from the Florida Derby exit there. I mean, but we already know where Mo, Mo Donegal's going. He's going to be up in New York. I mean, I, I can't think of anyone that I'm, like, really scared of to face Secret Oath that isn't named Messier that has a chance at shipping. But I'd be shocked if Messier ships. Yeah, he... Um the San Anita Derby because they purposely, so he won the Robert B. Lewis. They waited on the San Felipe and gave him time and Baffert kind of want to see what else he had left. And then I think the San Anita Derby was always in their mind for him with doppelganger with his running style. We've now proven he needs more pace and he needs a more pace favorable track. I think Oakland is going to be that, especially going to mile and eighth where at San Anita, he's going to keep, you've now chased and lost to forbidden kingdom twice uh, Messier is not fast enough to slow him down for you. So you're going to finish third in that race. Yeah. I, I guess this is interesting here. We, the people, uh, impressive allowance yeah. winner. Have not officially heard where this horse is going, but obviously just won at Oakland. It would make sense that you go in Arkansas Derby here. Although I know a couple other preps have been tossed around for this horse. Um, supposed to be super talented and, and definitely going into a prep. So, but like, but again, that's not necessarily the monster that's coming in right and that's that's right. who would be favored over like we the people secret oath secret oath is going to be favored in that spot right now am i picking secret oath i don't know but secret oath would definitely be favored in that spot so speaking of we the people great thank you for bringing that up it's a great transition uh, aaron and i recorded this video he's got three under the radar long shots for the 2022 kentucky derby we the people being one of them but all three of the horses that aaron picked they have zero kentucky derby points and they're not trained by bob baffert so they're horses that legitimately you need to be paying attention to because these hundred point preps, this is the you, ships are all in, right? This is where you shove everything in here and you're going all out. Cause you need this is the final chance to make the points to get in the Kentucky Derby. So uh, make sure you go check that out. That video is pretty great. It's also at our YouTube channel. Uh, speaking of Phillies, Mike, we got some news today that uh, we have Echo Zulu going to the Fairground Oaks. She'll make her seasonal debut, the undefeated Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies champion. And hey, look at that good-looking guy right next to her there. Epicenter, 59-3 uh, and three bullet for the uh, Louisiana Derby. Let's first talk about Echo Zulu heading to the, the Fairgrounds Oaks. Are you nervous that she is just debuting straight into this spot? And maybe the Kentucky Oaks is, you know, if she doesn't do well here, they might skip the Kentucky Oaks. 
Am I nervous? No, I'm not. <laughs> uh, I, I, I shouldn't be. The, uh, yeah, the one I'm, horse I'm that not, can beat her is out. Yeah, I'm not too concerned about this. Echo Zulu should be able to romp there. Uh, and honestly, all you got to do is finish first or second, and you're in the Oaks Gate. So again, it's one of those situations where I'd be, I honestly would be surprised if she's fully cranked for this race. I, I would. I think this is a chance to play against her because this is the time that you're going to get a, a less than 100% Echo Zulu before she goes into the Oaks. This might be one of those where you want to, you know, zig and zag a little bit, play against her when she's at Louisiana and then play her at Kentucky because you're going to get a little bit of a price, especially if she loses. But we'll see how these fields shake out and, and kind of what happens here. I mean, obviously, this is the, the shot from the Breeders' Cup where she absolutely romped and was dominant. Um, over a track that probably played to her and, and two of her contenders didn't break. So there's, there's some things from that race that I, I don't yeah. think. You know, our, our, I, that race went perfectly for her and did not go well for the other two main competitors. So you got to at least take that into account. But still a super talented horse. And I'm excited to see what she comes back as. I, I But no, no, not nervous for Echo Zulu at all. <laughs> I think that for the Fairground Oaks, I think 60% she wins. Do you remember the race? Not the uh, shoot, not the Golden Rod, whatever the prep was for it. I'm blanking on it, but we watched it live and Lecrate was the only horse that we liked in there and she got pulled up and was certain. Thankfully she survived, but literally every horse we were like, no, don't touch yeah. these. Who the hell is showing up? That's going to def- the- the- make echo Zulu nervous. However, I think you play her in the fairground Oaks and you play against her in Kentucky because I have some questions about when she actually faces a big field. Remember there was like four or five horses in the breeders cup that she ended up facing. Uh, and it was, it was very easy. And she, I mean, she looked amazing. I'm not knocking her, but there's, there's, I think Kentucky Oaks, I think that's where she's the spot to beat. It's just a question of uh, who's it going to be. Yeah. I mean, Mark, Mark brings up this point, you know, if, if she doesn't too well, is she ready for the Oaks? Uh, yeah. She's given up a ton of seasoning. You're dead on there, but it's interesting how th- these trainers are campaigning horses now where it's, it, it, they're running them in three race stretches or four race stretches that they're trying to get them to their best by the end of that and point toward a specific race. You got to think the Oaks was the target, right? This whole time. I mean, well, and that, they're they're being sensitive about that they're kind of they're not saying for sure because they've said for the basically the same thing is they're going to wait and see how she does in the fairground oaks because she is waiting until the end of march to get going so they are a little tepid about her my guess is she's just fine <laughs> <laughs> and they want better be. than the uh the short odds they got in that future pool yeah i mean i'm interested to see what her end her projection is long term too because most of these horses they have the breeders cup penciled in and then they work backward from there and how they want to run these horses. A lot of times there's a race at Saratoga that you're pointing toward. A lot of times it's a race at Keeneland that you're pointing toward, a race at Del Mar that you're pointing toward. These 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 races before the Breeders' Cups, you want to make sure you do well in. And then obviously three-year-olds are pointed that first Saturday or Friday in May, depending on if you're a, a Philly or a, Mayor, or a, Philly or a, a Colt. So usually you work backward from there when you're, when you're making these schedules. And obviously starting a little late is, isn't ideal, but... Again, this horse is, is so darn good, and the connections are solid. I mean, it, it's one of those spots where I trust the connections, the, the trainer specifically in this well, spot. And, and the expert voice from the Racing Dudes team chiming in, Dr. Miranda, saying, reminding us, Malathat didn't come back until the Ashland last year, and the Ashland is in the middle of April, so even shorter return time uh, to get to the Kentucky Oaks. Obviously had no issues, won that race. Uh, Dr. Miranda feeling that, listen, if Dr. Miranda is saying that, uh, who am I to say anything against? Uh, Nick brings up Ain't Easy. We'll talk about her in a second, but I, I didn't want to let you know I saw that. Uh, real quick, though, before we leave this wonderful, beautiful page, let's take a look at the wonderful, beautiful epicenter. 59-3 bullet going to Louisiana Derby. Uh, by the way, that draws this Saturday morning. Remember how we were like, hey, they're drawing on Mondays for Saturday? No, no. Now at Fairgrounds is like, no, no, we're going to do it this Saturday morning beforehand. So uh, you can actually check us out. We'll be doing a live reaction to that on the YouTube channel. So uh, come back Saturday morning for that one. But 
Epicenter, all systems go for the Louisiana Derby. This has been my Kentucky Derby pick for months. Uh, you, I think you're warming up to him a little bit more now, aren't you? I, I mean, I, no, I'm not picking this horse <laughs> to win the Kentucky Derby. I'm just not going to do it. I'm going to get you happen. to do it, Mike. I'm going to get you to do it. I like just yeah. You also think this horse is a stalker, so like, let's. I do. In a, in I do. I have way. no no logical reason to think that. So yes, that's correct. Yeah. You've you've been trying to sell me that 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 epicenter is going to sit off the pace in the Derby and be able to roll by, which I still just don't believe. If he can do that, he, it completely changes it. But to me, this is just uh, this has been like Bourbon 2.0. It's a good. How horse. dare you? Sir. It's a good horse. But when he faces the big boys, he's going to run a lot of seconds, run a lot that's of thirds. True. And that's, that's just – it's not bad. There's no shame in being Midnight Bourbon. But it's it's just who Epicenter is. It's true. There, uh, to your point, um, who he's beaten is – at the time we thought, hey, he beat Papa Cap. Papa Cap looks pretty good. Papa Cap is ceiling is where he's at. Uh, Smile Happy. We're like, hey, he beat Smile Happy. Well, we're not that high on Smile Happy as some other people are. So, yeah, uh, listen, he's, I love him. I love him to death. The Louisiana Derby, that's going to be the uh, push comes to shove time. Uh, we'll move on. The Kentucky Derby Future Wager Pool 4 ended this weekend, and we also had the Lone Kentucky Oaks Future Wager Pool, so we can talk about that. This is something that's been a big hit over at our YouTube channel here. Uh, some things I want to talk about. Classic Causeway, your only prep runner over the weekend. 15 to 1 drops to 10 to 1, but your favorites, it's not even Forbidden Kingdom. Like, for some damn reason, Smile Happy <laughs> is still the favorite. Why is Smile Happy still the favorite other than this whole pool is stupid, the idea is stupid, and so therefore stupid people make him the favorite? I mean, honestly, I wouldn't be Smile Happy at 6-1 to one on Derby Day knowing he's running. Like, yes. that's how crazy this number is to me. Like, honestly, like fair odds on Smile Happy right now, I think it should be like 25-1. to one. Um, So I was I was shocked that we saw 6-1 to one on Smile Happy in this spot. I just, I, with what we have seen, you, you're assuming that we're going to get a huge step forward and then another step forward to win the Derby. When we saw, I mean, I'm not going to say a clunker, but like... And it, it was, you know, it was like my old Mobile 88 when I, when I started driving. Like, it was a good car, but it wasn't a nice car. Like, let's be honest. Man, for 39, Oldsmobile 88. I'm learning so much about your uh, <laughs> your actual age now this time. Uh, let's, we'll go the, the, kind of quickly through here. Uh, one through nine, Barbara Road starting at the top. And then, oh, actually, it's going to be cut off on the screen. We'll start with we'll to Epicenter there. Um, Epicenter, I made two bets. One of them was Epicenter at 13 to one. I think that 13 to one is a very good price because if he goes to the Derby, if he wins the Louisiana Derby or even runs a really nice second, he's going to, he's going to be under 13 to one because you've got Asmussen. You've got Joel Rosario is, is the rider here. Yeah. You're, you're not getting 13 to one on him on race day. If he wins the Louisiana Derby. So really it's, it's, you're making a bet on the Louisiana Derby. Cause if he loses that, you, you're probably getting 10 to one on race day, maybe a little bit higher. And, and so you're, it's all about forecasting how they're going to do in that final prep race. If you're betting these pools, because what you're trying to do is get a, you know, closing line value, right? You talk about a lot of times in sports betting, you want that CLV. You're, you're looking for having a horse that's, that you have a 20 to one that's sitting in the gate at six to one and that, that everything went well and you're getting that added value. Uh, the other mover here, early voting, uh, 30 to one down to 19 to one. Is that because his buyer improved nine points over the weekend? Well, yes. And I think the race also like Uno, Unoho winning obviously takes a step forward there since the last pool. So there's a couple things that I think turned positively for early voting. Chad Brown also had a very good weekend and his, his crop has seemed to have been getting better. His barn has been getting better the last few weeks. So uh, I think that probably doesn't hurt him. 
Uh, Ethereal Road there, 50 to 1 down to 32 to 1 with the news. He's going to the Bluegrass. Forbidden Kingdom opened the pool as the 5 to 1 favorite, 7 to 1 where he lands. Um, looking at this, Mike, I don't know that there's anyone who I actually would want to bet you. No, not at these numbers. I mean, we talked about it on the, on the preview, like, you know, 30 to 1 and charge it, yes, but we knew it wasn't closing at 30 to 1. That was not going to be the final number. That was just the right. morning line, obviously. Like, in due times, it was interesting, but he, he's probably not winning the Derby, so I'm not really betting in due time there. And, you know, I, I have classic causeway at 50 to one. So I'm not interested in classic causeway at anything around 10 to one. Um, and then you like, you look through this and it's like, well, forbidden kingdom, I think, you know, I should probably be the favorite on this list right now, but I'm not taking any horse sub 10 to one right now. So you're really looking, okay, what long shots have a chance? I mean, Morello, you could make a case for if that horse keeps stepping forward, that horse has a, an outside never been two turns. Well, that's again, that's why 17 to one probably is not enough for me here. Right. Uh, yeah. Simplification 19 to one. I think you could make a case there that that trip was so bad um, in the fountain of youth, I think it was. Yes. Um, and then he came back there last the time. Holy out. bowl. The Holy Bowl, this trip was so bad, runs second to White of Barrio and comes back in the Fountain of Youth, has a bad trip again and is able to get the job done. So maybe you can make a case there for simplification. Um, but yeah, to me, it's it's these Florida horses, man. I think I think they're the best we got right now. It's kind of crazy. The other bet I made was on our boy White of Barrio. I saw that he was I checked yesterday afternoon. I remember this time and I saw he was creeping and holding steady about 22, 23 to one. I'm like. If he first or second in the Florida Derby, that no, there's no way. The way he that he worked out in that the, the super impressive, uh, like 59-3 or something. So um, yeah, that, I love that horse. Uh, I'm still mad. He ended the pool two at 171 to one. Didn't get that done. Um, do you have him at a number? At who? Way to Barrio? Do you have no, him? No, you I, don't have I, him. Okay. I, I, my love for Way to Barrio started. Probably about I've been picking him for a while, but I never was really that interested at like the twenty-five to one number. And basically, that's what he's been at pretty much the entire time, floating between twenty-five and thirty to one. And I just, I, first off, I don't love future bets, and so I don't place them unless I think I'm getting like a ridiculous odds. And I was able to get fifty to one after the Sam F. Davis after Classic Causeway won that, which I thought was crazy. I thought like the horse hasn't been over fifteen to one since the day after. So if you're able to jump on it, you got a good number. Um, I just I would want a bigger number for White Abario. Look, Safi's never won a Derby. He's one of those trainers where you you just haven't seen him be able to do it yet, and so that's obviously a knock against White Abario. And then there's just the fact that we don't know how good that race was yet. Obviously, simplification coming back and running big flattered the heck out of White Abario, and Classic Causeway doing what he did flattered White Abario, considering what happened in the Jockey Club. So there's enough reasons to like him, um, but I, for me, it's tough to swallow anything under twenty to one. And more than six weeks out, seven weeks out from the Derby, you have horses that, that leave the gate four days before it, right? I mean, Omaha Beach comes to mind where he was the favorite and had to scratch out because of a fever. A lot of reasons these horses don't end up in the gate. And I just don't want to tie the money down that long. I want to go through the comments because you guys have been really great about that. Uh, let me see. Where does it start at here? Um, do, 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 do. It was before that. To do sorry, great content here. Uh, Daryl says, Let Mattress Mac juice the Kentucky Derby odds for other horses. Yeah, Mattress Mac cannot help himself. I think that's the reason Simple or uh, Smile Happy. I'm being serious, I and mean, that's why Smile Happy was the favorite is that Mattress Mac was watching how close it was with Forbidden Kingdom, and he wants Smile Happy to be the favorite for every pool because that means you win the Derby. I, he's got to be running the promotion with Smile Happy this year, right? For the mattresses, because usually does the free mattresses oh, yes. one derby. Which you got to think it's Smile Happy. I, I think Nick brings up a, a good comment here with a bunch of what ifs of horses running second and third and all that jazz, and who ends up the Derby favorite. I would be very surprised if Forbidden Kingdom is not your favorite to win the Kentucky Derby. Because I, I think, go ahead. 
They're the only way Forbidden Kingdom isn't the favorite. Look, I don't think I think Smile Happy's not going to win their ne- his next prep. If Smile Happy doesn't win his next prep, he's off the list, right? He's not going to be the favorite. Uh, then you got Messier, who I think that if you win, if you beat Messier, you are 100% the favorite. And if you lose to Messier and it's a race, you are 100% the favorite because you're going to have that early speed with him. So I, I think that we're going to see Forbidden Kingdom as the favorite in the Derby. Outside of that, I don't think anyone else is under five to one. So Nick's, uh, especially for the podcast listeners, what Nick is asking generally is all these contenders, the horses that have won these preps, if they all run second and third and it's long shots or weirdos or Bafferts that win the preps, uh, what is the Derby favorite going to be? I mean, could we see six to one? It seems like with especially with no Bafferts eligible, that really muddies the waters. Yeah, we also don't have that much crossover between regions, which makes it a lot harder too. Yeah. So you don't have a, a single horse. Like it's going to be interesting to see what Classic Causeway does in Kentucky because he'll be facing a new set of shooters, including like Zenden, who's coming in from New York. And like so, all of a sudden, you'll have this this melting pot of competition that will give us a, an idea of where these horses are before the race. But right now, everyone's pretty much staying in their own lanes, which makes it very very hard to have a heavy favorite because you you, you have four good horses in each lane. It's hard to really separate them without seeing them face anyone new. Uh, Tanya says she has a futures bet on simplification. Don't hate that. 47 to 1. That is, a, that is a very solid price. Yeah, 47 to 1. Uh, because, as Daryl says, and kind of where we're going, if, who's winning the Florida Derby if it's not simplification or way to Barrio? Uh, are we getting a new shooter? That's a new shooter that upsets those two. That's who it does it, I think. Charge I, it, maybe? In due time, charge it. I mean, I, I, like in due time, I, I think with the right trip, could could be legitimately with those horses. Um, I think that the bump and obviously everything that Paco caused created a problem for his own horse. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I would want to see that play out completely, but I would say in due time is probably a little bit a step behind it, but I wouldn't be shocked if he somehow flips the script. We're I mean, an interesting handicapping pickle come Florida Derby because say half the horses come out of the fountain of youth, go to that race other than the top two finishers, everybody else was compromised. Everybody behind the top two was either compromised or just a, a donkey. So, you know, a horse that I was, I didn't think had a chance to win, but I was curious to see how he did was AP secret completely taken out of the race. No uh, I yeah. have no idea what that horse is going to be. And again, thankfully every horse was okay. So we're, we're bitching about first world problems here, but it's going to be curious to see uh, what happens with that. Um, we also had the Kentucky Oaks future wager pool. And I want to touch on that a little bit here. Uh, nothing too much of note. Um, Echo Zulu is the favorite at five to two. You had to hope that she's going to even go there. And then you <laughs> wild also- man, five to two. We haven't seen the horse run in 2022 and we don't know if the horse is going to go to the race. A-, a horse that going into the Breeders' Cup juvenile Phillies, mind you, everybody had questions about two turns and thought yeah. that that was going to be the-, the horse that couldn't stretch out. Jack Christopher was going to be fine. I happen to be on the other side of that, but, um, also secret oath at seven to two, which really doesn't make sense. Mike, when, She's going to the we already knew she's going to the Arkansas Derby kind of by this point, right? So or you at least had a very strong suspicion. Why would you play her at seven to two? It's interesting because like you're rooting for her to suck, right? <laughs> In the Arkansas Derby. So she doesn't have the points to go to the Kentucky Derby. And that then she goes back to the to the Oaks. And then you think there's a big enough gap between the Arkansas Derby winner and the Oaks winner that she's gonna be able to flip like it's just uh, you need a lot of things to go right to uh, to, to get seven to two on your money over a six week period when a lot of things can go wrong. Let's we'll put it that way. Uh, Daryl said we're going to talk about this because a couple of people put their tickets in, but the most fun future bet uh, over the weekend was the Oaks Kentucky Derby doubles. I'm very mad that I didn't actually play that last year because I actually did have I had mouth at Medina Spirit in both of those, and I I don't know what the odds were in the in that pool, but 
it's probably best that I don't look at that. Um, I do want to bring up because Nick talked about her and she's on that list somewhere is, is uh, ain't easy. She was tried facing a couple of Bob Bafferts over the weekend in her 22 debut. Uh, she was a, one of the few horses that was supposed to go to the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. And then she ended up missing. I think she had a bone spur uh, for Phil D'Amato. But she gets third or in the San Isabel over the weekend. Uh, did you, do you have any thoughts on eight easy uh, this? Sorry. It wasn't last week. It was two weeks ago, but do you have any thoughts on her D'Amato, you know, second off the bench, she, she should be a lot stronger. I think she's an interesting horse. I, I think a lot of it is really what, what, what's up with these defections. Like when you look through this list, you've got Echo Zulu at five to two, you've got secret Oath at seven to two. If it's, if they're both out, like why not right then all of a yeah. sudden it's all bets are off you could really take any horse on this board and make a, an argument for it so um the fact that you've got echo zulu which we don't know and then you've got this seven to two price on a horse is probably targeting a different race really makes the rest of this pool interesting it juices up the rest of it i actually can't find very many international places currently offering oaks options um because i was looking through that when we were talking here to see if we could pull something up that's still available here because i think that, that you know those two horses, anytime you have favorites who may not even be in the gate, it creates a lot of, of value in other spots. Uh, I wanted to bring up your girl, Kathleen. Oh, she actually dipped from My eight to one now, to huh? nine to one. Uh, <laughs> listen, you you called her. You picked her, and it, maybe it was a, a rough morning line from Pete uh, because she was not the favorite. When, she thinks she was like fifth choice nine, when you picked her. Nine and then two she, on the morning line, yeah. And then she ended up being the favorite in that race. But um, I did at least want to bring that up. Um, it, it, Kathleen, oh, thoughts on her? You like her for the, uh, let's see, Gulfstream Park Oaks and then, yeah, Kentucky. Yeah, I mean, look, she should get better. She stretches out. We've seen this horse have trouble multiple times. Never her fault, which I think is important. It's not like this horse is, like, getting way back and then a mess. No, she was run into a pocket and then had to figure it out, was able to kind of play a little bit of bumper ball and get into the four path and just – but as soon as she gets free in the stretch – Every time she's got like a turf turn of foot where she just kicks it into a gear and she's gone. And, and like that to me is really appealing because all of a sudden we know we always talk about this. You have a professional three year old who can close ground and has a big kick. Like that's everything I am looking for in an Oaks or Derby horse. Um, if if there you can't wire the field, obviously. Two others that uh, stand out to me, uh, Shahama, who transferred to Todd Pletcher and is uh, actually, I think, training straight up to the Kentucky Oaks, which is interesting. But she won the uh, whatever the UAE, UAE Oaks. Is yeah. that what it's called? Okay. The the Kentucky Oaks prep that's in over in Maidan. And she looked incredible, looked amazing. Uh, and they immediately said afterwards, all right, we're sending her to this America. Todd Pletcher is going to train her and get her for the Kentucky Oaks. So seeing a little bit of interest there, 24 to 1. Uh, Venti Valentine holding straight at 15 to 1. Uh, this horse has been uh, brought up quite a bit in the chat here. So I wanted to make sure we talked about Venti Valentine. Uh, winner of the Busher Sticks, I believe. Uh, any thoughts on Venti Valentine? Jorge Abreu is not a big name trainer in a spot like this. But yeah, again, to me, it's it's about who's in the gate. I mean, I, if Secret Oath and Echo Zulu are both in there, uh, you know, then all of a sudden, Ain't Easy and Venti Valentine take a step back. If, if neither of them are in that gate, or if it's just honestly, if if it is, if Secret Oath is in the Derby, I'm willing to take a shot against Echo Zulu because we've never seen her take pace pressure. We've never seen her in a big field. We've never yep. like the two turn issue was one that I had back on Breeders' Cup weekend, and so like. I was against her on Breeders' Cup weekend. So the thought of her being five to two, eight weeks out here is wild to me. Because um, I, I like, really, were that many questions answered? <laughs> she ran in a circle. Wasn't that hard? Like, you know, I, so we'll see. I mean, but yeah, to me, the, like, if, if, if Secret Oath isn't in here, it's wide open. Uh, CJ posted up his, his double ticket. And I like it. And he's, I think he's thinking the same way you are, Mike, is that if you take those two favorites out, 
Uh, he did actually. I can see it in the chat there. Uh, got ain't easy and venti Valentine over in uh, over charge it classic causeway early voting epicenter simplification way to barrio all good horses to have. I don't have a problem with any of those. Uh, he says the payouts are between six hundred and two thousand to one. Uh, you could have bet a dollar on those exactts, and those are some solid payouts, CJ. So I'm guessing you bet more than a dollar on that. So congrats. Well, and those double and the exacta are often the better bets than just the straight win bets because you get some real outliers in smaller pools where you can take a huge number for an outcome that, that is paying way over the win parlay outcome, right? Because you're not getting 600 to 2,000 to one in a win parlay on those horses. Now, the fact that you're dip dumping um, both Echo Zulu and Secret Oath is making a huge wild values in that. That's where the money is really being part of That's where the, the value is really coming into there because you're dumping two favorites. And again, they may not even be the gate. Uh, last thing I want to talk about here. We had a question from Josh. Uh, that's a good question. We haven't had this one talked about in a while. When you get a chance, can you explain why Messier got a higher buyer than forbidden King? Well, my hat's all thrown off. Sorry. Uh, Messier got a one Oh three buyer for winning the Robert B Lewis stakes. That is the highest of any three-year-old at least going two turns. Yeah. Taiba didn't get one Oh three. Um, forbidden kingdom, I think was, is a 96, 98, something like that. Uh, for same distance, same track. So Mike, you're better at explaining these things. Uh, inform Josh. Why was Messier's buyer higher than forbidden kingdoms? So a buyer number, and this is what the, what's important to note is how it, how do you, how does a buyer number become a buyer number, right? What's the the formula to get to it? So it's comparing similar races over similar days over similar track variants, taking the time of that race, the closing time of that race, how fast they're going down the stretch, and then creating a number based off of those specific variables. So in the Messier versus Forbidden Kingdom situation, I. I going to be honest here i'm not looking at the times right now so i can't tell you which race was timed faster but let's say both races were run run and and i know this is wrong but just bear with me here while i explain buyers both races were one run in a minute 36 that doesn't mean that they were both a minute 36 races according to a buyer speed figure they're going to look at the variant of the track how fast other mile races were run in that day to figure out okay is a minute 36 fast or is it slow and when you take all of that into account, it's going to come up with a, a number. It spits it out based off of that formula of what the buyer speed figure is. So you'll have situations where uh, horse A will run a second faster than horse B, but horse B will get a higher buyer because all the races at that distance over those two days will run two seconds slower than what horse A ran. So it, it, depending on kind of how the track played over that certain time period will affect how that buyer is, irregardless of what the times are. So it, it, it kind of creates this situation where sometimes you'll see a faster time get a slower buyer um, and it's why like we talked about earlier the tampa bay derby and how interesting the numbers and the figures are coming back from that time form and buyer disagree on what the final time of the race was so you're getting two totally different numbers from the two of them because they both factor in time of race and 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 pace specifically into those numbers so uh yeah right now that's the main reason why Messi's numbers are higher because he ran faster on that day than the other horses that were around the same there are other races around the same distance. He was that much faster in those days, and that's how you create the buyer. Uh, it's not necessarily, okay, you ran a mile and a 16th on January 25th, and you ran a mile and a 16th on March 16th. You're not directly comparing those times to get buyers. It's only the days around when that race was run that you're going to adjust the buyer for. Um, I had the times for you and keep in mind, both horses completely ridden out. So could have won by more uh, or in quicker times, but that said, uh, forbidden kingdom, one forty three ninety eight for a mile and the 16th Messier, one forty two eighty nine, So one point oh four seconds faster. And if you, if you look at, uh, if you're DRF, if you're looking at that number, they have a track variant that's included there. So when you're looking at it, uh, at the form right before the name of the horse, there'll be a number and then a dash and a second number. The first number is how fast the track was. The dash is the variant in the track and the variant can adjust the higher that variant is um, the, the 
more the slower the time is supposed to be. Um, so sometimes you'll see a dash or a zero. That's a no variant. You'll see as high as like 40 on some muddy days uh, on tracks like Aqueduct where they're being slowed down exponentially because of the track. And uh, I, I can't screen share the DRFPPs for you, but I will say, uh, Josh, for anybody, um, if you just Google how, how to read PPs or, or the, you know, how to read the DRF uh, past performances, they have a, a whole chart that explains what each of all the little symbols mean. So the stuff that Mike's talking about, the track variant, by the way, the track variant thing, that's partially the reason why the wither stakes got uh, the, the speed because they treated it. You remember this? They treated it like it was a sprint race for some reason. And uh, Craig with Timeform US was like, Oh, it's a it's a route. Why did you treat that as a sprint? So that was a big reason their numbers were off too. So uh, well, things are things are very screwy. That specific race causes massive issues because the weather's a mile and eighth. It's like the heck you doing? Like what are we doing here? Like there's no other mile. mile and eighth, no other mile and eighth three year old races. So what are you comparing it against? Yep. You literally have no no yardstick. You're just you're just kind of like if I told you and like I don't know a good way to put this. It's like saying that something is seven gazuzas. What the hell is a gazuza? You have no clue, right? Like you have to run races at that distance on that card so that you have an idea of how fast they are. You have something to compare it to. So anyway. Gazuzas? I like that. that I good. couldn't think of like, I was like, well, what if an inch oh, is an accident? You know, so I just kind of made up a different denomination. Did this you, show I, is about seven gazuzas long. <laughs> I, I completely for uh, blue pass. Did you want to talk about the overseas future odds? Were there any horses that kind of caught your attention uh, on that page? Uh, I mean, you can pull it up if you want to. Sure. Um, this is the, so we, we pulled this up after this race. To me, it's wild that you still have Messier on here. Like, I don't, I don't see. We had someone ask, "Are we going to have barn switches?" I don't see how this is going to change. Like, I, I, we're so close now. I'm not sure how like legal action is going to make a difference in the Baffert barn, and I'm not sure how we're going to change barns. So to me, it's like we're kind of past the point of no return here, right? Because even yep. if let's say let's say Baffert switches Messier to a new barn. You really think that, it, like, after everything, we're just like, oh, no, CDI says it's cool. It's fine. It's all good. It's not a Baffert horse. It's like, no, it's kind of a Baffert horse. We don't know it now. So yeah. I, I, I just don't see how they ended up in here. I think that kind of creates more of a value here. Secret Oath, I think, is interesting here, sitting at 20 to 1. We the people, right next to Secret Oath at 20 to 1. The same price as White of Barrio. No respect from White of Barrio here. Like, come on. Uh but yeah, I mean, honestly, there's nothing on here at this point that that's all that interesting to me. I, I mean, you just I'm looking at the 25, 30, 35, 40 numbers and uh, like we're looking at Tis the Bomb, Pioneer Medina, like no thanks, no thanks. Like so the, it's like you have to really like someone at this point to be able to take anything close to that, that 16 to one number or so. So for me, I, I would pass on everything here. I actually got a better number on White Avario. I got 22 to 1 on him in the uh, the mutual pool than 20 to 1. Listen, Mike, your overseas audience, they're listening to you. They're betting White Avario. They're, they're giving them some respect. <laughs> uh, Chris mentions that there's an injunction ruling expected this week. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, boy. It's going to be – I was just thinking, man, it's looking like a slow week. That's my fault for thinking that. And Daryl says, I think the Sandy Durbo tells us Forbidden Kingdom can rate or not. I, I respectfully disagree. I think he is one thing, and that is go and catch me if you can. And I think that's the only thing that he knows how to do. And it's amazing they've been able to get him to stretch it out this far. The question is, who's in the lead? Messier or White of Bar or Messier or Forbidden Kingdom? I think Forbidden Kingdom. Man. I, oh, if, if he does and Messier has to get dirt in his face, I'm going to laugh because that means Bob Baffert's finally not winning a San Diego Derby. <laughs> so you also don't think Messier wins if he doesn't have the lead? Um, This far out? Yes. Ask, right. ask me again when we see the, the, the actual field. The actual field, yeah. 
Let me know after the draw, right? Then we can talk yeah. about it. Over at racingnews.com, we've got a lot of Kentucky Derby action happening for you. We have the, as I mentioned before, the three under the radar long shots for the Derby that Aaron put together, including We the People. I will tell you that all three horses that Aaron talked about were just in that graphic that Mike threw up there, right there. So, uh, if you want to try and get, get this is great. This is great. Money, That's a great comment. That's true, Chris. There, the other three yeah. horses. Forbidden Kingdom, Messier, Mile, and then like Cabo Spirit again, right? Like two Bafferts. <laughs> that's what it's going to be. Um, um, sorry. Uh, out, anyway, no, that's okay. I'm glad you pointed that out. Uh, we got the three uh, under the radar long shots. Also, a uh, long time coming, but the Remsen Stakes 1-2 finishers. Mo Donegal and Zandon, we have full previews, uh, in-depth analysis of them uh, over at RacingDudes.com. I should put that up while I talk about it. Um, but make sure you go watch those videos, put those out. And then, of course, full analysis of Kentucky Derby Future Wager Pool. And again, guys, if you missed the reactions to these, go watch them, especially the Azari one. You know what happens. Just just watch us and watch us lose our shit. Because that's what happens when we're at the track. How we reacted there, that's what happens when we're at the track together. That race, man, that was a crazy race. And we, one should we probably should talk about? It. I mean, you had three of the the old, better, older females in the country there, um, all facing each other. Cece, just an amazing horse. I mean, she's won the the she's won at Oakland before. She won the Apple Blossom a couple of years back, I think it was. She's a Breeders' Cup winner at seven furlongs, taking down one of the better horses we've seen in the last decade, and now comes back and wins two turns in the Azari at Oakland again. I mean, just a really cool horse who's won at a bunch of different distance, beating a bunch of different horses, and then Pauline's Pearl who. For some reason, it's carrying seven pounds more than, than CC. Like, what? Why? How is this? Like, literally, this horse is coming off a Breeders' Cup win, and the other horse is carrying seven pounds more. Misses the break, gets squeezed, ends up in last, has to make this wide-sweeping move, and, I mean, put a lot of pressure on CC. Now, how much did CC have in the tank, I think, is a, a valid question, because of the way that she, as soon as, the, like, she opened up, got bored, and as soon as the competition came to her, she reopened up, like, I don't think they're ever getting buyer, but Pauline's Pearl at least made it interesting. She did, and and we talked about it like when it first happened. She got pinched all the way to the rear. We're like, well, that's she's out of the race, and that's not good. And when she started looming in that turn, uh, I can, it was I think it was you that called it out. That Pauline's Pearl's going to throw her hat into the ring, and they're just like, oh, okay, this is going to be kind of fun. Or no, Aaron said that, and then you go, no, Cece's going to win this by five, and immediately she starts opening up. We're like, oh, okay, uh, <laughs> wait, wait, what? Wait, what's going on? Yeah, don't give it up. <laughs> uh, yeah, anyways, it's a lot of fun. So go check that out over there. And then, of course, uh, if, if you didn't know, there's actually going to be a, a fantasy basketball or a basketball tournament happening, a fantasy. Uh, March Madness bracket ha- happening over at RacingDudes.com. We actually have a Racing Dudes team bracket that everybody is invited to. So go check out the tweet over uh, Twitter.com slash Racing underscore Dudes. Uh, it's over there. We'll have, if you're a subscriber to the email service, um, we'll be sending out links to that. It's free to join. There is a prize pack to the winner, but it's mostly for bragging rights. You can come see how you do against us. Um, I will tell you, I'm not going to speak for Mike. I've watched like zero minutes of college basketball this year, and I'm literally going to be watching um, not this one, but due to bet sports 61 on Wednesday, Papa dude and Aaron, they're going to go through their entire brackets together. I am going to just go ahead and uh, yeah, I'm going to play their brackets. So I'm going to tie them because I, I listen, I don't know what the hell I'm doing, Mike. When I lived in Vegas, I loved college basketball. I thought it was a beatable sport from a sportsbook perspective because if you became the champion of the shit league, you actually knew more than Vegas did in a lot of these games. I have not had that much time in my life to put towards sports betting in a very, very long time. So I'm no longer – I literally had like – I knew team managers on the WAC teams that I was calling before because I was WCC. That's all I played. Uh, so I knew team managers from them because they played tournaments in Vegas. You got to meet people. Then you could call people. 
uh, nowhere near that type of dedication. I think I probably watched 20 minutes of college basketball in the last full year. So I'll just be guessing a lot. Um, I've heard that the Big Ten is a good good conference to fade, which is ironic because they have like eight teams in or nine teams in. But I'll probably be fading the Big Ten. Listen, I've, that's all I've heard from every dude who bet sports episode that uh, Papa Dude hates Michigan and he hates Michigan State and he hates Juwan Howard. That, those are the things that I know. So, uh, by the way, his rants about college basketball, I didn't understand. It was like kind of reading mostly Arabic, but I understood that he was very angry and it was probably overreaction to it. So that was pretty fun. That's uh, going to be fun, man. I love, I do love the tournament, though. I mean, like it's, it's one of the better. First off, if you've never been, okay, everyone talks about going to like Vegas for Super Bowl weekend. Going to Vegas for the first weekend of March Madness is the best weekend to be there because you get literally games from from waking up to when you go to sleep in the sports book. And it's fun because they stagger the start times 15 minutes. So you have these every game is ending 15 minutes. But the cool part about being in Vegas sports book is every bucket counts. So you have like a layup by a team that's down 20 and half the room goes freaking nuts and the other one's slamming drinks on the ground so it's it's just so much fun being in that atmosphere they have these big ballrooms that they set up they do buckets of beers that you get a dollar a beer and it's just it's a lot of fun to go there we used to went there with like all my uncles and my cousins one year and i always had friends come in town when i was there it's, it's a blast man it's the best we can be in vegas from a sports betting perspective if you are watching i by the way i agree i've been there once before and i wasn't even a big basketball fan and the it's very electric but it doesn't feel overcrowded like probably what the super bowl uh would feel like or you know super bowl next year when this is going to be there with the nhc but go to espn.com sign up for the uh, tournament challenge bracket and search for the racing dudes bracket pool make sure you guys join in it's public there's no password we just want to have a lot of fun uh there are a ton of us i'm in here aaron's in here there are a ton of people already signed up i see a lot of our, our regulars in here so uh, make sure you guys join that it's gonna be a lot of fun like i said prize pack for the main one but mostly it's bragging rights and to be able to say that you beat papa dude aaron you beat dr tang uh, you can say you beat mike and i we've already kind of told you here's your cookie congratulations you better beat mike and i is the if you know if you think you know something about college basketball yeah better watch out yeah, actually, I, think I, I agree with Daryl here too. That is the one knock on the big weekends in Vegas. If you want to play blackjack, if you oh, want yes. to play craps, like you've got to go to like you've got to go downtown or go off strip, and that that's the only places you can find any decent tables. Uh, South Point Casino, Hotel and Casino for March Madness weekend. They still have five dollar and ten dollar craps tables most of the weekend. They still have five dollar and ten dollar blackjack tables because they're a quote unquote major sports book of a local casino so they're a great place to go for the games they have a really cool sports book uh they also have dollar hot dogs a steak and shake and a movie theater and bowling alley all in the so i'm down yeah, i'm a big fan free, yeah, the, free plug there for south point the problem the only problem with south point maybe some people to draw is how far away it is from the strip but um it, no it's it, we used to actually stop there uh, my buddy and i every year it was like our last place to stop because being from michigan there were no steak and shakes anywhere in california or really out west and so that was like the one so we'd stop and that was like our we're leaving Vegas, put some money in the machines before we get out of here kind of thing. Um, I don't know if they still do it. Back when it was the Hooters Casino, and now it's Oyo or something stupid. But it was literally across the not strip, but the other street from the MGM Grand. Always my favorite place to go because it was $5 blackjack 24-7. And yeah. it's literally right there by the strip. So you're going to go to the strip. It's there. MGM Grand is right there. Then you just go back and hide and you get your you got your Hooters wings. You got your $5 blackjack. It's pretty great. Yeah, it's that's uh, I've I that's the only it. casino I've ever been kicked out of. Um, there was <laughs> there's a story to this one. Uh, there yeah, was we'll there save was, that for a new episode, I'm sure. There was a while that that uh, we decided that it was more important to be a big fish in a small pond when playing craps because you get much more free things. Ah, so okay. We we downtown there's a place called the Plaza. We played craps there because it was three dollars. 
And this was back when we were doing a shot of tequila every time we hit a point. So you can imagine how that got. Um, and then, yeah. And then the other one was was Hooters because they had a five dollar tables all the time. Ten X odds. So you could you could play for cheap there. But if you put down you know, a couple grand, you're like a huge roller. You get the presidential suite, the whole thing. Anyway, we came back from a club one night and they have a NASCAR car there that I decided to climb into. No, God, Michael. So I'm, I'm climbing into a NASCAR car through the window. My buddy's taking pictures when we have the presidential suite. <laughs> and I got kicked out. <laughs> Don't climb in the NASCAR. Wow. Car. That's incredible. Yeah. I love that story. I, I'm a, man, I missed that. It. I haven't been to Vegas in years, but uh, since NHC, but I missed that they. Uh, they probably don't have that in the lobby anymore. It looks like I'm looking at their website and they still, they advertise that they have the Hooters restaurant, which is honestly was the best part there. Now other than the $5, no, they still have $5 blackjack. It says, okay, listen, NHC 2023, you'll find Mike and I across the street from the MGM Granite Oyo playing uh, $5,000 uh, rolls on crafts. Yeah, there we go. I don't, I maybe not that much. The uh, craps was rough, man. We, like Dr. Tang and I were trying to play some craps at, uh, at NHC and the tables were all like 25 bucks. Yeah, it's, we're not looking for $25 mins. We're looking to, to lose slowly here. We don't want to make this hurt. <laughs> right. This is uh, this is gonna, like death by a thousand cuts, not one slash across the throat. Yeah. No, and the equestrian center is actually very good at South Point as well. I'm actually, I'm a South Point homer, man. I actually like the pool. They have some good concerts there. Like, yeah, the hot dog stand is strong there. 75 cent hot dogs. Like if you, if you, you're nice to the staff, they'll give you like 10, 15 drink tickets. Um, I also worked there for like three weeks, three months. So I, I knew everybody too, which is great. Mary's awesome over at the race book. Say hi to her. Tell her I say hi if you go there. D Daryl says the best part for him is a separate sports book and race book. Yeah, that's great. If you've ever been to a book on a big day when they're kind of jammed together and you're trying to play the ponies, oh God, you hate every single sports better. You're like, shut up. Yeah, pro, pro tip, if you're going for big days and you want a good way to get like into the sports book, go like the Thursday before and bet on the ponies. And then ask for a seat in the, the horse section on that Saturday or that NFL Sunday. And you'll get a reserved seat right next to the big screens right over here with all the football just for betting horses. Yeah, I love it, man. Now you're making me miss Vegas. Listen, I, was, I might be going back in a couple of months. We'll see. We'll see. We'll turn it out. And listen, we will be back on Thursday. We're going to be covering a pick four sequence from – I'm going to guess we're going to go to Gulfstream, Mike. They got three stakes there, uh, two dirt sprint and then a turf sprint stakes. Hopefully – we stay on the on the turf there. I haven't looked at the weather yet. Are you good with Gulfstream for Thursday? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, also, make sure you check out uh, Dude to Bet Sports. Uh, episode 61 will be up on Wednesday morning covering all of the bracket in depth. If you want the live reaction that happened yesterday, Sunday afternoon, to the bracket news, Papa Dude was full on Abe Simpson for a while, so it's pretty great. Make sure you go check that out. You follow us on Twitter. I am at Curtis Kellard. He is at some of them, 18, number one, number eight, corporate overlords, at racing underscore dudes. Until Thursday, I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. Good luck this week, guys. This has been a presentation of RacingDudes.com, your destination for all things horse racing and sports betting. Whether you want free winners, expert insider picks, up-to-the-minute trackside weather reports, or podcasts and videos for bettors of all skill levels, never make another wager without visiting the Racing Dudes first. 